Salty Thoughts with Tamal Dodge. sound intro. <laughs> Delightful. I'm sitting here in the atrium at Brock Cahill's house. Brock is a wonderful yoga teacher. He's an inversionist, an ocean conservationist. He is a man with many talents, and I'm stoked to have him here. Brock, thank you for having me at your home. Thanks to all. Good to be hanging. Yeah, man. And uh, this is a long time in the making. I've been trying to get Brock on this podcast for some time, but like I said, he has a busy schedule. He's constantly teaching, he's constantly out in the ocean, saving animals, picking up trash, and educating the world and the community really on how to treat the environment and how we each have the responsibility of how we're impacting the planet Earth. And uh, so we're going to talk a bit about everything today, um, but before we do all that, let's backtrack a little bit because I've known you for some time, Brock, and I've heard bits and pieces of, you know, how you grew up and things that you've done, and what I've tied together is you're one of those guys that has had many lives in one life, and um, let's take it back a bit, where you're from, you know, how you grew up, some of the things that led you to where you are today. Cool. Interesting question, because uh, a lot of people would kind of assume that I grew up around the ocean, which isn't the case. I grew up in the mountains in Colorado, Mm. far, far away from the sea, but the sea has been a huge calling in my life. As a kid growing up, the mountains and the snow were a big draw for me, and I love being outside. Mm. And I've always loved animals of all sorts, of course. But uh, it wasn't until about maybe, I guess it's about 11 or so years ago, Krista took me to Hawaii, and her brother was getting married. And I'd never really had a chance to go snorkeling or any of that kind of stuff before. And she took me out snorkeling for my first time, and I got to go swimming with sea turtles. And I literally just shit my pants <laughs> and was like, excuse me, what? What's going on below the surface here? This is so cool. You know, and there's the, this reef up on the north shore of Kauai, and it's called Ke'e Beach. And there is a wonderful little turtle population that lives there. And it was my first chance to get to know them. And I spent every day, all day, in the water swimming with turtles and just absolutely fell head over heels in love. Mm. Since that moment, um, I've realized that the ocean is in a state of trouble and in disrepair. And even in my short lifetime in the ocean, I've seen a tremendous change Mm. in the ecosystem and in the creatures that call it home. Um, So shortly after that is when I started scuba diving. I think it was a couple months later, I was like, I'm hooked. I'm in the ocean all the time from now on. This This is part of the deal. And once I started to dive, I got chances to dive in all different kind of places to make sure that they were in locations where there was cool ocean shit to do so I could take mm-hmm. my peeps along with me and help them get involved and love the ocean like I was doing. And uh, in doing so, we've been all around the globe into some of the, the string of pearls and the islands and the cool habitats and the different reef systems and different kinds of ocean climates that really make up this wonderful blue planet. And I've spent a lot of time just fallen in love with her and then also watching how the state of the oceans is degrading in such a way that I couldn't sit by and watch any longer and in growing up in in Colorado I just had a fond affinity for 
this water-based system, but it was always frozen. And then when it, all of a sudden it unfrozen, it felt like life flowed through me in a different way too. The, the kind of iceberg, so to speak, the, to the tip of the iceberg happened about six or seven years ago, whatever it is now. I don't, I'm not very good with dates, but it was the Gulf oil spill, mm. as you remember. It was yeah. a, it's probably the worst environmental catastrophe of our time. And it often gets swept under the rug. And, you know, that was kind of the purpose of what the government was doing at that point was to try to not make a big deal out of this tremendous oil spill that has basically killed one of our most prolific oceans on the planet, the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. Um, 70% of the seafood in the U.S. comes from the Gulf of Mexico and a humongous chunk of the shrimp worldwide comes from the Gulf of Mexico. can't remember the exact percentage of it, but it's a large portion. And all that stuff that comes out of the Gulf now is toxic. Yeah. And it's really bad. When I was there, I spent, uh, geez, probably about six months over the course of a year uh, testing some of the seafood that was coming out of the Gulf and working with a native population of Kemp's Ridley sea turtles, which is the most endangered species of sea turtles. And what was happening at this point was uh, they were trying to do oil spill cleanups. In doing so, they took collection booms out on the water and they... They used tugboats to pull collection booms to corral oil on the surface of the water, yeah. and then they would light it on fire to burn the oil off. But while doing so, they were collecting all kinds of juvenile endangered species, mm. so most specifically these Camps Ridley sea turtles because they'd get caught in the mats of oil, and they would burn them alive. Oh. And it was a terrible tragedy, as you can, you know, you feel it right now, yeah. but especially in that moment when this happened, and I was watching this on the news, and I got reports from people that were down there and they said they're burning sea turtles alive i literally again shit my fucking pants jumped on an airplane and went immediately and uh got involved with a couple of different conservation organizations sea shepherd being one who i've worked with for many Mm. different years now since then and also the turtle island restoration network um which is a great organization that does a lot of work with different sea turtle populations worldwide but at this point, they were working on getting observers put on these burn boats so that we could make sure that there was no sea turtles in the oil mats that were being ignited. Yeah. So that was kind of my first foray into ocean conservation and activism. And ever since then, it's been pedal to the metal, you know, like full speed ahead. When I went to the Gulf and I spent all that time away from home and away from my wife, Krista, and you know, everything that we have here, which is such a nice and cushy lifestyle in comparison to what we were going through there, which was hell on earth. Um, it made me wonder, okay, this is cool, but how can I bring this activism back home and share it with my friends, my family, my community? You yeah. know? And that's when Kerma Alliance started. And Kerma, as you know, and probably a lot of people know, is Sanskrit, it's the, the name of the turtle avatar for Lord Vishnu, who is yeah. just one of the, the main dudes in the, the Hindu Trimurti. So mm-hmm. Vishnu comes down to earth in worldly form ten different times, and one of his avatars is a sea turtle. And so when we formed Kerma Alliance, I was like, okay, well, it's our chance to give back to the sea turtle that at one point, through, through the old mythology of India, the sea turtle saves the world. And we're going to try to use that same kind of principle here. So if we save the sea turtles, we save the world. Mm -hmm. And we'll use them as our mascot to do so. Um, Kerma is on our side with this. And we're, you know, we're pushing, like I said, pedal to the metal to make sure that we do our best to get involved here locally in California, but also globally in lots of different projects. Yeah. And we've got some cool things happening right now, which is awesome. it's, It's so awesome. And it's so much fun. I mean, 
you know, a lot of, I think there's this misconception in the world where they think that, you know, oh, if I have to be doing something that is under the category of being an activist or something, it requires it being boring, chore-like, uh, a pain in the butt. You know, for some people in some of the jobs, yes, it will be like that, but there's a lot of things that are really fun and very inspiring and very um, educational in a playful way. Um, for instance, I've gone to several of your beach cleanups and I've brought my own son and there's been a bunch of other kids there and it's not like they're miserable the whole time. It's not like going to school. No. You don't take those kids to the beach cleanup and they're going, oh, I don't want to do beach cleanup. Anytime I say, hey, you want to do a beach cleanup with Brock? My son's like, where's where's the, the dishwashing gloves? Uh, I need to get my trash picker. He's like all amped up, preparing already, you know? Yep. Because you guys have done something very special where it's educational, but it is also fun and it gives you a sense of community. And not only in that sense of community, there is this... Um, really great feeling that everybody gets because they're all on the same page you know and everybody since they're on the same page is inspired to help inspire other people and bring them all together so they can do something really great and you know if you've never done a beach cleanup it's eye-opening especially if you go to a beach that doesn't appear to have a lot of trash and then somebody starts to show you the micro pieces of trash Mm -hmm. that are in the sand and then your mind just explodes and then you can't believe there's like trillions of pieces of micro trash on every beach in Southern California. Exactly. And thanks for saying that. I mean, that's really cool. That's one of the things that we strive to do in Kerm Alliance is to help inspire and activate the community, you know, Mm -hmm. so that this isn't just office work and chores, like you say, or fundraising. It's fundraising. That's that's the whole premise behind this is that people can get active and get out there and do something. Um, That was why we founded this organization in the first place. In my experiences, like in the Gulf and some other projects that I was working with, I just witnessed that there was a whole lot of organizations out there, you know, don't need to say any names or anything, but that (laughs) are just like pushing all their funding towards offices and computers and pushing paperwork through the system and all kinds of stuff. And I just, I get while that's important, but I also believe in direct action wholeheartedly. Yeah. And I, I believe that there's no better way to feel good than to do good. And so if we can get kids like Kanai and all of his cohorts down on the beach yeah. picking up plastic trash. <laughs> and I remember one day in particular that your boy picked up a condom and he's like, hey, dad, what's this thing? I was like, oh, Kanai, you're using your gloves for that thing, right? You know, and he's like, um, dad, hey, tam- dad, what? I don't know. Is this a balloon? And I was like, um, Tamal, you might want to come over here for a second. But we get, like you said, there's yeah. eye-opening shit that comes up on the beach. We find all kinds of things. At one point, we found a human femur. I think you yep, were there that, that day. Was there that day. That was very interesting. One of the boys was like, uh, should I call the cops? What's going on with this? Yep. I don't know why we are finding bones on the beach, but we found one. We found, yep. of course, hypodermic needles, syringes, all, all kinds of different stuff that is gnarly that you don't want anywhere near your kid or... I don't want anywhere anywhere near my kids, which are the turtles, the sharks, yeah. you know, any of those people out in the ocean. They ingest this stuff. It becomes part of their digestive tract. And you mentioned these little microplastics that Oof. show up on the beach. It's the worst thing. Um, several years ago, one of my mentors, and he's a biologist up north from us a little ways. His name is Wallace J. Nichols. He did a necropsy on a turtle that was washed ashore, dead, and he opened its its guts and there was 476 pieces of plastic that he pulled out of his digestive tract and that was the cause of death it couldn't process food any longer because it's it's intestines were full you know and so it it starved 
and you know that's that's just not okay with me in the world i i can't sit by idly and watch that happen and i believe that i've found a lot of people that feel the same way yeah yeah and so we aim our trajectory and we do our best to get out there and do even these small little things that affect our local beaches but then we have other projects in the works now like a couple down in nicaragua one is a turtle hatchery that we're helping to sponsor and fund and then a turtle hospital on the caribbean side Mm -hmm. that we're building in conjunction with another group of folks that's going to be really cool it's going to be radical i'm working on another project in costa rica where we're going to transition an artisanal fishing village into sustainable tourism so instead of taking from the ocean they're using it as a resource that values the life that's in it and it's going to be worth more alive than it is dead Dead. and they're going to be able to make a living that way we're going to be able to provide them with a dive boat so that they can take people out and charge a wage which would be better than their fishing wage to get people out and see some of their natural beauty and that they can swim and with sharks and with turtles in this really cool spot that at this point has no sort of preservation or regulation on what's being taken out of the ocean. So it's the first project of its kind in this area for sure, if not anywhere else. But it's it's going to be awesome. I'm really stoked for it. It's it's you know the spirit of cooperation and collaboration over competition or over blaming somebody yeah. you know because for a while when i was first starting this mission i always got pissed off at the people that were taking all the sharks and cutting their fins off yeah. and i was just like you fucking murderers yeah you're killing everything this is not cool i want to fight you but that doesn't work <laughs> yeah. you know like that's not cool that's not solving any sort of problem yeah. in fact it's just causing more yeah so through that wrestling match of the last six years now that Criminal Alliance has been in effect, I've had to look at myself drastically and change my, uh, my thought process on how we can help instead of like hinder these people from doing what they need to do. It just getting in there and fighting with them is not gonna be of benefit. You're not going to out machismo a Costa Rican guy. There's just no way, you know. Yeah. They got Latin flavor, and I'm, you know, I'm just a white boy from California. So, if we're going to get into a toe-to-toe thing, you know, he ain't going to back down. So this is not going to work. So we have to figure out a way that I can put my arm around the dude and be like, I understand, man. You're up against the wall here. You got to feed your family. You got to do this stuff. What if I can help you find a way to do that better, and you can make a better wage, and we can save the ocean at the same time? So that's that's where we're headed with this. That's so awesome. Yeah. That's such a great way to look at it and also such a, a cool way to flip the switch. Yeah. You're just flipping the switch. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's really inspiring to hear all those different projects that you're working on currently. And, um, you know, I look at, you know, the things that people do locally and the things that people are, you know, uh, kind of growing in their own community is really important. But, you know, I remember when I was a, a kid. I was born in Hawaii, and uh, I'd go to all the local beaches and swim. And then every year you go back and you visit, and I can see the difference. I bet you, know? you can. I can yeah. see the difference. You know, and you go to places like Hanama Bay. It's completely different. There's, I want to say, 50% less fish than there were when I was a kid. I bet. And it's not just because I was a kid and things looked bigger back then, but it's literally a fact. And not only that, but you see all the reefs that are just dying around the island, yep. just completely dying, bleached out, yeah. bleached out, gone, ruined kaput not coming back and you know that's scary it's scary and it becomes uh, something that if you've noticed it and you've been able to witness it you know it's a real problem and you know it's silly when people say oh it's not really a problem it's not nothing the ocean's so big what's the what's the big deal then you start showing people like 
the giant trash vortex that are out there. They're like twice the size of Texas. Yep. And you tell people that and they don't believe it and then they have to Google it and then they're like, oh my God. Oh my God, that's real? <laughs> Holy I thought you were just kidding. Crap. Yeah. You know, and you realize it's plastic. It's plastic. It's plastic. Yep. And that plastic is so unnecessary at this time of the earth. It's just because we're stuck on this vicious cycle. Yep. And there's so much money behind it, one, of course, but also it's a vicious cycle of supply and demand. And, you know, one of the things that you have even educated me on is things that you don't even think about that are so uh, drastic that you wouldn't even think. Like, for instance, a straw. You go to a restaurant, somebody gives you a straw for your drink. From now on, I always tell them I don't want a straw. Yep. I don't want a straw. Give me a mug. You got a mug back there, you know, because you posted a video where a turtle was getting a straw taken out of its nostril. Yeah, wasn't that gnarly? Dude, that stuck with me for... Ever. I don't think it'll ever leave me. And that was like the most painful video because you could feel the turtle's pain. turtle was crying. You yeah. saw it, right? The you can feel his pain. Ugh. And you're like, screw that. And that was just some straw. Some dude probably got a Coke at at a restaurant. It washed. People don't realize it probably started off on some street, got washed into the ocean from the street, and it's floating around the ocean and it got lodged in this poor guy's nostril. All the way up his nostril, the full straw. The whole thing. It was gnarly. And you start to feel oh, just some sort of like, oh, no, no, it can't keep coming out of there. No, it can't it keep so coming long. out of there. And then the entire straw draws all the way out. And you're like, holy shit. Yep. And he was living like that. That dude, that little turtle was living like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what the hell? Yeah, it's and hardcore. so you start looking at that and you're like, whoa, just a straw. Well, I'm not going to get a straw anymore. No more straws, Go to a you. grocery store. In L.A., they're pretty good about not using plastic bags at grocery stores now, but there's a lot of places that don't. Probably a lot of our listeners, you probably live in other states or countries where they're still giving you plastic bags. Holy plastic bags. If you go to the ocean, you will not believe how many plastic bags are in the ocean. That's a fact. Balloons and plastic bags. What the hell? Yeah. If you can bring, it's not that big of effort. Actually, it's more convenient if you get your own bag to shop with. Get a nice canvas bag, a cloth bag, and you can reuse it for years to come and fill all your groceries with something that simple is humongous it is huge it changes everything you you mentioned the plastic bags and it, a lot of people already know this but jellyfish are one of the main food sources for turtles and when you look at a plastic bag floating in the water it totally resembles a jellyfish you've seen that before and i'm sure a lot of people out there listening have seen that before but it doesn't start to register until <laughs> like i mentioned with Wallace J. Nichols, when you cut the turtle's digestive tract open and you pull a massive plastic bag out along with all these bits of microplastic that are lodged behind it, and then you see, oh my God, really? I mean, so I'm hopeful that, you know, other states and other places will start to follow California's example. It's up on the bill right now to be voted to ban plastic bags across the entire state. So I'm hopeful that this can change in the next couple of days. Yeah. We'll see if it does. I'm um, hopeful too. Yeah. And France just banned all plastic to go wear. It's oh, the first country in the God, world to ban, ban plastic cups and plastic straws and forks and spoons and to go oh, styrofoam to go crap all oh, that stuff polystyrene is one of the worst offenders of all because it breaks apart into those little small nerdle things yeah. you know and then all of a sudden it really looks like pieces of plankton and all kinds of fish ingest it and for folks that eat fish you know at this point <laughs> there's a lot of plastic in the fish you're eating so you're eating plastic too unfortunately yeah you know big time uh, and everything gets dumped in the ocean for so many years now without any thought to it. And now 
because of people like you and also your friend Rob and so many people that are trying to bring it to people's attention. It's, it's a gigantic issue. Yes, yeah. the ocean is big, but the ocean's hurting. Yes. The ocean's hurting big time. It's vast, right? You know, just like our community is, and it's massively powerful. But at this point, it's been so severely diminished. And you mentioned all those reefs around Hawaii and stuff. Those reefs are a huge life force for this planet. And when that ecosystem starts to tank, we're in trouble, you know, like we're at a tipping point. And, you know, I don't, I hate to be a doomsdayer, but, you know, <laughs> the truth of the matter is that we have to recognize this yeah. at this point in time. And we have to find a way that we don't just let the entire thing slide downhill. Uh, with more and more awareness, of course, there comes more and more action, but awareness in and of itself is not quite enough. So we do our best with Kerma Alliance to educate people but besides that, get them involved in these processes. You mentioned the beach cleanups, which are super fun, but we also take people out on paddle boards to get in the water, yeah. down in the marina and flat water for people that are new to paddle boarding. We have events down in the marina all the time where people get to come down. And the marina is kind of an interesting uh, piece of property in Los Angeles because it's the last kind of stronghold before a lot of the plastic waste washes out to sea because mm -hmm. a lot of our runoff water goes through the marina before it goes out into the open ocean. So. If we hit it at the marina, which we spend a lot of time doing on paddle boards, and we pick up a lot of this stuff, and we've seen a, a huge difference over the course of the last five years, then we are doing a massive service. But we also have a couple of boats that we run out into the bay and out beyond the bay where we do deep water cleanups. And you mentioned balloons. No. Man, one particular day, uh, Dylan, who's over here, he, his dad and our VP, Aaron, we all went out. The four of us went out on a balloon picking up mission. And in two and a half hours, we picked up 108 balloons in two and a half hours. It was a rather calm day. So everything was floating on the surface of the ocean. A lot of times, you know, when it's choppy, things get pushed down below the waves a little bit. But on this particular calm day, you could see everything that was going on out at sea. So it was just one after the next, after the next, after the next. And you could follow a line of balloons. And I could drive the boat down. And Dylan's dad's out there with a the fishing net just picking up balloon, balloon, balloon. Yeah. And we were like, who's up next? Who's on deck? You know, we turned it into a baseball game of sorts. Big hitter coming up to bat. And yeah. it, it was, we had fun with it, but at the same time, when we got back and spread all those balloons out over the dock and took a look at what was going on, it was shocking. Yeah. So balloons, man, as fun as they are supposed to be at a party, they are killers. Yeah, it's horrible. You know, I, there was another circumstance of a gray whale that washed up on the beach dead here in California, yeah. up north of us a little while ago. I think I showed you that video yeah. also. They did an necropsy on that whale. They pulled over 400 pounds of plastic out of its guts. 400 pounds. I mean, God. come on, really? That's insane. How can it? I mean, obviously, whales eat a lot of stuff, but 400 pounds of plastic in the guts is like it's nothing to be level. trifled with. Yeah. yeah, that's a whole nother level. And that's just that's that's one instance. So I'm, you know, I'm appalled at where this has gotten to. And and you mentioned. Plastic isn't necessary anymore. You're 100% yeah. correct. Not There's necessary. other alternatives that can be done. There's a lot of money behind this. It's run by the petroleum industry. You know, plastic is made from oil, as yep. we know. So there's a lot of lobbying and a lot of money behind it to keep plastic on the shelves and keep it flowing. This is something that we as citizens have to overturn. We have to figure out a way that we're not going to allow big money, big corporations, and big oil to continue pushing this shit upon us. Yeah. Because it's going to be the thing that actually chokes our planet, not just a whale, not just a turtle, but chokes the entire sea. And we're all going to suffer because of it. 
because the reefs that you mentioned, not to mention the phytoplankton and all the other plankton in the ocean, accumulate more than 70% of the oxygen in our air. If the ocean goes down, we all go down. Plain and simple. That's, that's how it is. Shit gets real when we get all choked out. That's it. You know out. that from jujitsu. Ju- <laughs> uh-huh. It's yeah. got a full-on gi stranglehold across our <laughs> neck. And we we got to spit this plastic out before. Damn rubber choke. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, and you know, it's funny. You look at places like there's, there's stores in Germany that literally don't allow any plastic or any containers that are plastic to be taken from the store. You actually have to bring your own glass jars to fill everything. Yes. And people go, oh, that's such a pain. No, if you think about the greater good of the world and what it will do, to you, your children, your children's children, not just about how your early, your convenience in this life. Think about the future yes. of humanity, of animals, of the ocean and everything. It's the tiniest sacrifice ever. You bring your own jars, so you, you fill it up with your own peanut butter, you reuse the jars, everything. You bring your own bags. They have these stores. Yep. It's not a myth. This stuff really exists. It and I really, really think that's where it all has to go. Mm-hmm. It's got to go that way. Yep. Plastic free. Yeah, agreed. Yep. And you know, it, it is challenging. It's not like it's yeah. super easy and super convenient, but it's choosing consciousness over convenience. Yep. And you nailed it. Like we're short-sighted at this point because everything up to this moment has been about building convenience and making it easier and easier for us so we don't actually have to put in the efforts of what it will take to sustain life on this planet when we've got so many dang people, yeah. you know? So there are ways to do this, but... It's not going to be the easiest way for yeah. sure. You know, you need to start moving towards more plant-based lifestyles and, Definitely. you know, away from the chemical and synthetic natures of all things that are going, get ourselves off of fossil fuels. All these things are ingrained in our systems and in our cultures now, but they don't need to be, yeah. you know, they're, they're built upon big business at this point. But one thing that hasn't been talked about nearly enough especially in this election with all this shit that's going down in this crazy shitstorm that is our political system at this point (laughs) not to get off on that subject (laughs) but nonetheless like there's a whole new industry waiting to be explored for this you know everybody's talking about we need to bring jobs back to america we need to open up oil leases and drill in the gulf again no that's not it build a new fucking industry of solar power of clean energy of everything else people talk about that a little bit but then all of a sudden they just move on to the next subject you know that's that should be well i shouldn't say should (laughs) that is what i feel ought to be our most important focal point at this moment in time this is crux you know like we got to get on it 100 percent. you know and you you just think about it's no mystery to everybody you know politicians are bought and there's lobbyists and lobbyists and lobbyists for these giant corporations and the corporations get hurt over the people you know I, I don't think people would have a problem if you know everything started to going solar you know look at all the electric cars and the technologies out there's so much stuff that we're doing is that's so outdated so outdated yeah i mean we're it's we're basically prehistoric at this point i wholeheartedly we're agree we're still doing it all we're yep. still doing it all and one of the reasons we're still doing it all is because we're brainwashed Yep. We are. We're told this is the way, the only way. And one of the ways we're brainwashed is because these companies spend millions and millions of dollars to tell you this is it. This yep. is what you got to have. You need this. You want that. You need everything to be in plastic. Mm-hmm. You need this car. You need to be stuck on this type of technology. You need it. But, you know, when you flip the switch and change your perspective, put a little bit of sacrifice in your own life, you do the greater good. That's correct. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, 
and it just has to happen in a large way. People need to take their power back at this point, yeah. you know, and these corporations, sure, they got a lot of dough, they got a lot of push in their particular direction, but if the citizens of the world figure out that this is not good for all of us, this is good for a few of us that are lining their pockets, and I don't know what that motivation is anyway, you <laughs> yeah. know, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> this is not going to sustain life on this planet, though, and, and most of the corporations don't care about that yeah you know they're looking at the short-sighted picture and they want to get as rich as is possible well, if the world's going to end i want to die with a fat ass wallet yeah which know? makes no sense he who dies with the most toys wins is ridiculous because you ain't could take any of that shit with you when you die yeah <laughs> you ain't taking that with you in the next life Nuh-uh. the things you are going to take with you is how much you impacted other humans and animals and how much you changed the world that's the shit you'll take with you the things that don't have a material substance that you can stuff in a pocket because yeah. body's temporary you got to do the spiritual good. That's Just like correct. your shirt says, you got to be a spiritual gangster. Yeah, you know, it's this, it's that soul wealth that really helps you to grow. And and you you did mention this body's going to die, but your soul is going to carry on. Yeah. And when you take these experiences, you can't take your bank account, but when you take these experiences <laughs> with you into the next realm, whatever that might be, you got a nice, uh, steady checking account to start with, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, you got that spiritual bank account. That's totally true, you know, and you mentioned before, you know, people transferring and moving towards other ways of living, plant-based ways of living, and, you know, it's, again, it, we're brainwashed, again, as, as children, we have to eat this certain way to sustain our life, we need this protein and that thing, but the yeah. more you demystify all those prehistoric ways of thinking, and you open your mind, you realize, oh my God, one, I'll actually live better, I'll be healthier, I'll be helping humanity, I'll be helping all of the earthlings, you know, not just the humans as well. And, um, you know, something I learned from going on to one of the events that you threw uh, that was on the pier or watching Evolution, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And um, they're talking about how if we keep over fishing in the sea, that there'll be no more fish in the sea after 30 years. Mm-hmm. 30 years. There's not going to be one left. So imagine all these beautiful places like the Great Barrier Reef or Hawaii and stuff. In 30 years, you're not be able to take your kids to go snorkeling in or anymore. What, that's not the world I want to live in. Yeah, I totally agree. You I don't know if you saw this past week. They actually put the, uh, what do they call it, the obituary for the Great Barrier Reef up on, they said the Great Barrier Reef is dead. And they called it. And they said it's dead. That's it. No more life is growing here. I don't know if that's fully true or not true or whatever. It might be, you know, there's obviously a lot of coral that's dying on the Great Barrier Reef and a lot of climate change that's happening there and a lot of stuff that's going down. But uh, to see the obituary of the Great Barrier Reef posted this past week was an eye-opening experience. It's soul-crushing. Yeah, Yeah. it was. It was like, oh, my God, that's a punch straight in the balls. That's not going to – how am I going to recover That's a speedbag punch to the balls over and over again. (laughs) I like how you put that. Let's start to use that. Oh, my God. Come here, big oil. crushed me, too. (laughs) Exactly. It's like – you know, and if you think about that, I mean, no more fish in the sea. What the hell would that be like? You know, you don't want to be one of those guys. Like when I was a kid, there used to be these things called whales and sharks and yep. fish, and that's just not somewhere you want to live. That's, that's in our not... lifetime, bro, and yeah. especially in Kanai's lifetime. Especially, yep. Uh, I I know, man. It's it's not something that I feel at all comfortable with letting happen while on our watch. Yeah. You know, and a lot of this stuff is not our generation, but we have perpetuated it. You know, it was brought into play by the, the generation of the one previous to us, but there's no way that we can stand here and just be like, this is how things are done. 
No, this is not how things are done. This is how they've been done for the last two generations. We need to change that. Yep. You know, this is time to right the ship because it has luffed all the way over. Yeah. And you know, it's gonna sink if we don't fucking get it up right quick. Yeah, it's like it's like slavery. People were stuck on slavery, and it was a big money thing, and owning people and stuff like that, and people didn't want to change and things like that. But Look how we look at slavery now. You realize how wrong it is. Yeah. And everyone's like, damn, that was messed up. That was so fucked up. <laughs> that was so messed up. But yeah. now if we start doing these different changes, I have faith that on a bright side that, you know, in 30, 40 years, we'll look back and go, wow, that was so messed up how we were living. I totally agree that with you. That was messed up. I think about that often, what you just said with, you know, racism and slavery. And I believe that one day there will be speciesism of, like, how we oppress these animals yeah. and push them into captivity, you know, like... With the orcas and SeaWorld and, and yeah. great tigers and all the zoo, whatever, all that stuff, man. I believe at one point we'll be awake enough to see that these are spiritual beings and that we have no right to force them into this kind of slavery, for lack yeah. of a better way of saying it. You know, There's this crazy video where um, they have all these uh, clips from zoos and they have this one powerful clip where this monkey is... The guy doesn't realize he's talking to some tourist who's looking at him through this glass plate. And the monkey is actually doing sign language. And they translate his sign language. He keeps saying, there's a latch over to the right. Please unhook it. Let me out. Let me out. And the guy's like, he's just waking faces at me and signing things to me. And he's just telling you to free him. Like, you idiot. Like, come on, unlock yeah. that thing, bro. Who's the more intelligent life form here? He's like, uh, bro, unlock that. Let me out. Yeah, get me out of this fucking you know, joint. Dude. Uh, but, yeah, I think you're right. I, I have hope. I have hope, you know, that the more people get educated especially the younger generations and we got to educate the people that are here now too the older Agreed. generations because yep. you know they say it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks well you gotta try yeah <laughs> i got two old dogs they learn new tricks every freaking day you yeah, know exactly they do just fine with learning new things you just have to teach it to them yeah. you know and you have to be patient and you, yeah it's not going to happen overnight but you spend your time on it because you believe it's important then all of a sudden they believe it's important yeah yeah and you know, I that brings up a point that people always say, you, well, you got to teach the children. They're going to be the ones that change it. And yes, I wholeheartedly agree with that, which is why we include the kids in all of our stuff. But like you said, we got to get everybody. Yeah. It's not just the kids. It's not up to them. It's not their responsibility. Yeah. It belongs to all of us. Yeah. So that's that's what's up. And we're making a new movie now. The Sharkwater series continues. We're making the second Sharkwater film. I'm that's helping awesome. my buddy Rob with this. And it's uh, it's going to be a hell of an eye opener. You saw the first one, right? I did. And if anybody is listening, I said this before in Krista's podcast, but if you haven't seen Sharkwater, you got to watch it. It's such a great documentary. It's so well done. It's so informative, and um, you can watch it anywhere. You can actually watch it on YouTube. Yep, it's up for free all over the web. So find it, Sharkwater. Um, you can find it on the web website at sharkwater.com. But uh, this is a decade later. We dive back in to see how the progress of the shark conservation movement has gone. And what we find out is as much progress as we made of educating and making people aware of the problem of shark finning, we now have a bigger problem. Twice the amount of sharks are being caught. Now we're seeing more and more shark products show up in different kinds of things such as makeup, fertilizer, pet food. You name it. It's all over the place. Shark products are in everything. And the reason being is because we basically have pushed legislation to the point that sharks have to be landed with their fins attached. 
That's a good thing because now sharks can't be killed for just their fins. But now they're being killed for everything. Now they're being killed for everything. And now there's more markets because we've created markets to use shark products. So God. now instead of you know 80 million to 100 million sharks being killed a year, it's 100 million to 175 million sharks being killed a year. Half of them are shark fin soup. The other half are showing up in everything, stuff that people don't know about at all. Yeah. So we're blowing the lid off of this thing and showing people um, that fish sandwich that you think you're eating is not necessarily what you think it is. You're eating a super predator that has evolved for 450 million years to be yeah. the most apex creature yeah. in the sea. And you want to have that for your fish and chip sandwich? or yeah. You know, like besides that, the health risks of doing something along those lines are not a good call because at the top of the food chain, the mercury levels, the pollution, the plastics all compound as you go up the food chain. Yeah. So when you hit the shark, there's all kinds of stuff oh, involved. Loaded. You don't want to be eating that. Yeah, they're loaded. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it just speaks volumes about uh, Rob and Brock and things like that. I mean, you can watch the first shark water free on YouTube. These guys, they're just in it to help people. They're in it to educate people. And I think that speaks volumes about your character. Um, we are running out of time, unfortunately. Say um, but is there anything you want to share? Any last thoughts? Well, just thank you for bringing this, you know, out to the masses and all your, your peeps and your listeners. And for those of you guys that are out there, you know, do your best to get involved. I know that we're speaking to the choir here, but if, if you need help in any way, reach out to Kerm Alliance. Our, our website's kermalliance.org. We got all kinds of projects in the mix. And if you're not local and you want to still get involved in some stuff, we can direct you in, in good directions to, to steer your course and maybe to shoot your arrow and, and figure out um, how to get you involved in this revolution because we need all hands on deck. So please join us. That's what, that's what we're here to do. Hope to see you on the front lines. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Brock, for being here. Thanks, Tamal. All right, everybody. Ciao.